continue the message that I've been sharing for the last few weeks. Thank you. Miracle signs and wonders. It is important to me uh, to communicate to you how significant it is for us to, as believers to be mindful that God still has the power, still has the ability, and still has the desire to manifest himself in special ways. I shared with you last week that as I was studying for this and preparing for this, this series of lessons, one of the theologians that I saw began to, to express how that if we are, that, there's reason, that, that God only performed miracles, signs, and wonders in the beginning of the church because it was a young church, an infancy church, and he was trying to lay the foundation for the church by demonstrating his power. The problem with that theology is that, that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and the other thing about that is that there's still yet critics who still don't believe that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. And the truth is that God still manifests himself or still desires to do that today. The question is, do we expect for it? Do we anticipate that God wants to do it? Because the word of God says without faith, it is impossible to Please, God. Faith is the essence of what God does. And one way to look at it is this. Faith and expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Your faith meets God's ability. When they come together, they produce miracles. The question is, will we believe God and trust that he wants to do it, a desire to do it? So I want to re 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 reiterate some of the things we shared last week because everything that we're teaching you is based upon two primary verses of scripture. One is found in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, where it says, and they went out, preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So, so after Jesus left them, he says, listen, go ye therefore, take this message to everyone and anyone. And they went out, the Bible says they went out and they preached to everybody and anybody they saw, whomever they came into contact with, they went out and shared the good news of who Jesus was. But notice what it says. They were doing their work of taking the gospel. And God did his work by accompanying or confirming what they were saying with signs and wonders. The other passage of scripture is found in Hebrews chapter number 2, where, where it simply says, verse 3 and 4, where it says, And how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That is the gospel message, the salvation of Christ, that Christ came to save the world. How shall we neglect that great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord himself? Jesus came and he says, the kingdom of God has come unto man. And then it says, and that was also confirmed to us by those who heard him. All those who heard, the disciples, the followers who heard Jesus' teaching, they also confirm it and they also bear witness to it. But then here's what it says, what God did with, with them. Verse number four, He's, it goes on to say, and God then confirmed what they were saying by bear witnessing both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and the gifts of the spirit according to his own will, that it was God's will to do his part to confirm that these men, these women, they were truly from him the same way he confirmed that Jesus was from him. So there was a few things I shared with you last week. There's a, there, there's the first note that we shared was God performs miracles and signs, wonders to draw humanity to himself. 
He doesn't do it to lift up any personality. He doesn't do it to lift up any person, any organization, any, any group of people. He does it for one reason, and that is to draw men unto himself, that men and women might come to know that there is a God who is true, who is real. If you go back and you look at the, at the, the showdown uh, with Elijah and the prophets of Baal, you'll find that when Elijah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a moment in there where Elijah goes to the altar, and he's by himself, just him and God. And he goes and he says, and I'm going to paraphrase this, he says, God, would you send down fire? Not that I need to know it, so that they might know that there's a God in Israel. He says, I don't want you to bring fire down and perform this great miracle for my sake because I already know you're real. I already know you're God. He says, but do it so that they might know. They who? Those who did not believe. So God still, the theology that God only performed miracles to start the church, then what, how do you explain Elijah? How do you explain Elisha? How do you explain David and Goliath? Because David absolutely saw God perform a miracle. Because he had five smooth stones. You get smooth stones because you wanted to bounce off the object. If you ever skipped rocks in the water, if you get a smooth stone, it'll skip through the water because it just skips. But God performed a miracle that the Philistines might know that God was with David. Watch this. How do you explain the walls of Jericho? Because here is what Rahab said. Rahab, when she, got, when she, when she met up with the two spies, she said to them, she says, listen, we have heard what God has done for you all. And it was because she had heard the miracles that God had performed for Israel that she believed. So God still wants to perform miracles that he might draw men unto himself. There are many voices that are speaking out of, as to who God is. There's many choices. There's almost a, a smorgasbord of religions you can choose from. But here's the thing. Results settle all arguments. When God does something that only God could do, you cannot deny God did it. The next thing is that signs and wonders, a sign appeals to the understanding, help you to further understand something. But wonders appeal to your imagination. What could God do? How great is our God? How big is he? How vast is his power? The next thing we shared was also that Mark chapter 20, Mark chapter 16, verse 20, was actually a fulfillment of the last prophecy that Jesus gave before he went back to heaven. The last prophecy he gave, he gave it in verse 17 and 18 of that same 16th chapter of Mark. He, and he simply, he, he gave this indication. He said in that 16th chapter, he says, 
these signs will follow them who believe. That those who believe, these signs will follow them. The thing I want to add to your notes this week, this note here. The signs and wonders are special manifestations of God's power, God's love, or God's compassion. They're special manifestations, bringing something to bear. A manifestation is bringing something to pass, bringing something to bear. God manifests or demonstrates special demonstrations to either show his love, demonstrate his compassion, or prove his power. Now, does that mean that if, 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 you, if, if you see a situation where someone is, is hurting or ailing and God does not perform a miracle in that situation, does it mean that God's not compassionate? No. You got to go back to what it said before, what I shared with you in Hebrews. It says, God confirmed the word according to his own will. I may see someone and have compassion on them and want to see God manifest himself, but it's according to the will of God. Has God desired to demonstrate in this situation? Because one of the things that you must understand, Jesus had, he says, I have all power. All power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. So he had the power to literally step out and just declare the earth be healed. So why did he do it? Why did he just go to a man and heal a man and heal a woman and and heal a group of this city and heal some people in that city and heal all the people of that town? Because had he stepped out and declared to the earth be healed, the whole earth would not have known that he was the one who did it. And they would have not given glory to God. Therefore, God chose selectively. There was a a man that came. As the disciples were walking, they saw this man. He was blind. And they said, Lord, who did sin that this man would be born blind? Was it him or was his parents? First of all, the question didn't make sense. Because they asked who sinned that he was born blind. He couldn't have sinned before he came out. So he couldn't have been on the list. They said, did he or his parents take him off the question? Because he was in the womb. He could have sinned. But here's the thing. Jesus says, neither him nor his parents. He says, but watch this. That the glory of God might be revealed. He says, this man was born, literally born blind, that he might meet me today, that I might heal him today, and he might see, and that man might know that God has the power through me to open blinded eyes. See, if we understand the power of God, then we begin to recognize the manifested desire of God to prove he's real. Particularly today, because it used to be that you, you know, you'd, you'd have to go search out to find someone to teach you something that was abstract or, or, or off as it comes to scripture. You can get it anywhere. You get it on your iPhone, you can get it on your tablet, you can, get it, you can just get access to so many things that will tear down your faith. There's so many new age religions new age belief systems that are fighting against the truth. And what ends up happening is oftentimes we become victims of being taught 
and received lie because it has some truth. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, that one of the best lies of being told is one that has some truth in it. Here's what happened to me one morning. I'm coming out. It's a Saturday morning. I'm heading out, and I was, on, I was in a rush, and I saw down the road some people going door to door, and I knew who they were. They were Jehovah's Witnesses, and I'm not, I'm not picking on anyone, but I want to share my experience with you. So as we come, I said, man, okay, I'm never, I'm never one to, to shy away from that because I have the truth in me, so I don't have a problem with sharing with someone. But, but I just didn't have the time to do it. So as I, as I got out, I got in my car and I backed out. They were, at the, they were a couple doors down. I backed out, and it had to be a divine appointment. Did you know what happened? I forgot something. So I had to double back around and come back, and I pulled into the driveway, and I went into the house, and just as I came out, they had made it to my driveway, and the lady said, hey. I said, how you doing? And here's what she had in her hand, one of these. Now, I see the Bible. I said, hey, maybe she's on the right track here. But here's what she did. She opened it up, and she showed me a verse, and it showed where Jesus says that, um, he, was, he and the Father were one. I said, yes, sir, that's the truth. She says, however, how could it be that he's God's son and also being God at the same time? I said, okay, honey, I see where we're going now. I said, man, let me tell you this. Uh, Jesus Christ was the only begotten son of God, virgin born, came, to live a life that he might die for the sins of the world. He died, he rose on the third day, he went back to the Father, and one day he's coming back to receive all those who believe that. And I, she said, but, let me, I said, honey, I got to get going. Because at that point, she started out with some truth, with the intent of redirecting me to a lie. But after I gave her the truth, it was time for me to go. Because let me tell you this. If someone's not asking you to know Jesus, you standing there for an hour and a half going blue in the face trying to tip, convince her she's wrong, she's going to walk away from you blue-faced it and still not believe. You're standing there, blood vessels popping out. You didn't believe. <laughs> I didn't come to get this. I came to give you something. However, if someone wants, so, so, so don't get yourself caught up in trying to defend the truth. Here's what the Bible tells you to be, a witness. Here's what, here's what Jesus says. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Not defenders, not arguers of the faith. A simple witness. If you ever watch Law and Order, you may not have been in the courtroom, but if you watch Law and Order, one of those shows, you'll find out when the person comes and sits on the stand as a witness, when he or she goes beyond witnessing, the judge says, sir, just answer the question. Ma'am, just answer the question. Recorder, strike that. Just answer the question. You're not here to be an expert. You're not here to, 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 to ask questions. You're not here to actually defend anybody. You're simply here to be a, you got it now, don't you? 
So then that takes the pressure off of you. You're walking around afraid to share your faith with somebody because you feel like you got to defend. Oh, you ain't got to defend the truth. The truth defends itself. If someone rejects the truth, Jesus says, don't get all upset. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. You're telling them about me. We get all down in the dumps because you, you, you gave it all you had. You even had your special track that you had to give them. And they tore it up in front of you. Like, Get all upset. Don't get all upset. Just say, okay, okay. If I've given you the truth, guess what I've done? My job. Paul says, one, watch this. Here's what I've come to understand. Paul says, one plants, another waters, and the Holy Spirit brings the increase. If you start talking to somebody about Jesus and they start answering it with other scriptures, they've already got the seed. You are there to water. Don't get upset. Everything I said, every verse he knew. Okay. And he still rejects it. You're just watering. I watered or I planted. I'm done. The problem is we always want to be there when the, when, the, when the Holy Spirit brings the increase. We want to be there when they bow down and pray, don't you? You, want, you just want to be there when they cry. Lord, Satan. You want to be in that moment, don't you? That, that, that's, that's the whole point. That's the whole, that's the whole goal of me being out here. And we'll even force them on the knees. You know, you, you, are you ready to accept Christ right now? No, no, no. Are you? Are you ready? Would you bow with me? Would you come? You got him down. Would you come down? The, the, the man ain't coming down. He's sitting in a chair. You already down trying to pull him down. Would you pray? Would you, would, would you accept Christ right now? That's not your job. You just say, water or plant. If you plant it, amen. If you water it, amen. God, I did what I was supposed to do. Amen. Praise God. Now look at this. So I shared this. Miracles are, this is from dunamis is the Greek word here. Mighty work, power in action, a miraculous power. So, so when we, when we, when that word, when it says miracle, it's talking about the dunamis of God, the power of God, the manifested supernatural power of God. That's from the Greek. But here's, I wanted to show you in, 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 in complement to that what the dictionary says, the second one, a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws. It is therefore considered to be a work of the divine agency. That's what the dictionary says. Look at this next one. Signs. The Greek word that's used there speaks of a, to mark something or to signify or to indicate or to give a sign to actually show, hey, here's proof. Here, here's a sign of what it is. Look what the dictionary gives. It says, an object, a quality, or event whose presence or occurrence indicates the probable presence or occurrence of something else. That, hey, if God is here, here's a sign that he's here. Wanders. Something unusual causing the beholder to marvel. Have you had something happen in your life that it wasn't quite a miracle, but it was just like, wow. Wow. I shared this testimony last week, and I'll share it again this week because I think, I think it's still applicable today. 
uh, Sister Melody, uh, she shared with me, she was, we were talking, and she said that, that when she, uh, after she accepted Christ and she was just, she realized how much he had to forgive her for and, and how his blood had washed her clean. And she just had this sense of being freed from all the burdens of her past and her sin. And she said, so she just spent a whole day just seeking God, just praying and crying and thanking and worshiping. And she says, at the end of all of that, she started to smell roses. And she said, it kind of startled her at first because she thought maybe somebody, she knew she was home alone and she didn't have any roses. So she smelled the roses. She went in the other room. She looked around. She smelled them there. She went in another room. She smelled them there. And everywhere she went, she smelled roses, but there were no roses. I said, that was God letting you know. I said, do you love roses? She said, yes. Do you love the scent of roses? She said, yes. I said, that was God just saying that. A sign. A sign. Amen? Because she can't prove it to you and me. You know, you walked in and smelled, take the garbage out. You know, she's like, no, I smell roses. But to her, it was something that God did to say to her, listen, it is well. Look what, look what, what, what the dictionary gives for wonder. A feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, inexplicable. She couldn't explain it. She said, I, I don't know. I just, there was no roses. I hadn't had any roses. Just surrounded in the scent of roses. Look here. In that, I shared with you that Jesus gave this last prophecy, Mark chapter 17, verse 18. Look what it says. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And, it, and, it, and if they drink anything deadly, it will be no harm to, means no, it will by no means harm them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So this is what he says in verse 18, 17 and 18. And then in verse 20, he says, and then after he left, they went out and this is what followed them. These were the signs that followed them. Amen. Now, with that said, I'm going to go back to that verse which says, and they went out and preached everywhere the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs and wonders. I'll share with you this, that in most cases, when we hear this in America, when we hear this in, in the States, we automatically start with skepticism. You read this and, oh, well, okay. Those who are on the front lines, those who are on front lines of missions around the world, oftentimes come back with testimonies of God performing great miracles. Do you know why that is? Because oftentimes these people have never heard the gospel. And as they hear the gospel, they, 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 they just believe that this Jesus that, that they're being taught has great power. And they actually expect it. We went down to Mexico to preach. We went, we, we, we preached, uh, in, in, we went, preached at eight churches in six days. And when we got out, we got out to the far-reaching communities, they were called La Ranchos. These were, these were ranches where people were share, they were sharecroppers. They were somewhere between two major metropolises, but there were no doctors out there. Just a group of people living in the middle of, of fields of crops. 
one of the things that happened every service after after preaching, I would preach for maybe 35, 40 minutes. But I would lay hands and pray for people for over an hour and a half. They were all coming, expecting and believing. Pastor, I have diabetes. Pastor, uh, I have a tumor, I have a lump. Because they believed that God had sent someone to them because they're out there by themselves, no doctors, not much medical attention. They believed that God had sent his grace to them. And if we were praying for them, they wanted to be prayed for. So we must recognize that God still wants to work confirming his word. One of the things that we make an assumption of here in America is that all the people in America are Christians until they show us something otherwise. You must understand that, that, that we are not by definition, if you were to look at us as a nation, we would not necessarily be considered a Christian nation based upon our morals and our ethic. We often function with the mantra of Christianity, but not necessarily the evidence of Christianity. Because when it comes to one religion in America, one of the most, most hostile efforts in America is against Christianity. There's such hostility. You can't pray. You can't uh, mention Jesus' name. A young lady who was a valedictorian, had, had worked hard all four years and earned the number one, number one seat in her class. She was a believer. She stood up to give her her speech, and at, towards the end of her speech, she said, and I just want you to all know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the source of my strength, my power, begin to give her testimony, and they shut the mic off on her. She had earned the right to speak. And her speaking was her own personal testimony. It didn't represent the school. It didn't represent the school system. But they shut the mic off on her. By sharing her personal experience, watch this, in a nation where we have what? Free speech. So we have to move away from this ideology that, that everyone believes that Jesus Christ is who he said he was and know that God still has a desire to manifest his power and to demonstrate his ability that others who do not believe might know. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 3, and I'll be done in just a few minutes. Acts chapter 3. There's several verses here. We're going to look at a few and then, but, but I want to, the context of what we're sharing actually goes from verse 1 all the way down to verse 16. But, but rather than uh, display all of those, I wanted to share this, this, just these few verses. Verse 6, 7, 8, and 9. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I not. 
But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood up, walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and what? Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. The story here, silver, that, that Peter and John are going into the temple. There's a man who's there begging because he's, he, he doesn't have the ability to work and to earn a living. He's there begging. He asks them, give me alms. Would you give me something? Give me a donation. Give me something to charity. So they, they stop and say, silver and gold, we have not. But what we have, we're going to give you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. The man got up and began walking and praising God. But the best part of this is, after all the people saw what God just did, what do you think happened next? Peter began preaching. Look at verse 10. And I'm not going to project it up, so hopefully you brought your Bible with you. Verse 10, he says, Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as the lame man who was healed on I'm sorry, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's Great Amaze, Greatly Amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people and said this, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or goodness or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God, the Father, God, the Father, and glorified his servant, Jesus, who you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for murder to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Peter went right into preaching. He said, wait a minute, this is a moment. This is a God moment because if now they know that God works miracle, now they hear the gospel. Now they will hear the truth about Christ Jesus. The reality is that God working with them. This is an example of God, them going out preaching the gospel and God working with them. What? Confirming what he was getting ready to say. The people were amazed. Because they knew this man. They'd seen him day and night sitting there, not able to walk. And now he was running, jumping and skipping and praising God. What a great witness. 
Because notice it says, as he held on to Peter and John, he, he, he stayed with him. He's like, y'all not getting away from me. So I could just see Peter standing there with him, holding on to his arm, preaching. That everybody listening can say, listen, remember him? We are men of God, sharing the good news. This last passage before I close is found here. Pull this up, gentlemen. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. The operative term when it comes to believing that God still has the power, the ability, and the desire to perform miracles, signs, and wonders, the operative term is if. If you can 